everybody, and welcome to Your Spiritual Best Friend on Spotify or wherever you guys are listening to the podcast. I am the host, Josh Sanchez, and the purpose of Your Spiritual Best Friend is to connect spirituality, mental health, and astrology all in one because it's important for everyone to realize that we are all on our own spiritual journey at the end of the day. So the more we open up, the more we are able to connect with each other and grow as a collective society. So sit back and relax and enjoy your spiritual best friend. Hey everybody and welcome back to the podcast. On today's episode, I got a chance to interview special guest Amanda Kate. Amanda is the author of Divine Messy Human, a spiritual guide to prioritizing internal truth over external influence. Amanda is also a kinesiologist, mentor, life coach, and mom and has a passion for helping people discover and learn new things about themselves internally and also working on their physical bodies as well. Me and Amanda, we talked a lot about her journey from experiencing the highs and lows of of multiple relationships to creating her book and even talking about mental health and mindset, internal mindset. You can check out all of Amanda's work by clicking in the links in the show description the links to her book her website will all be below so you guys can check out all of amanda's work and all that fun stuff and while you guys are listening to the podcast i want you guys to think of experiences that you guys have felt whether that's in a relationship or even even the relationship with yourself the highs and lows and think about some internal struggles that you had while listening to the podcast because me and Amanda, we really get into it and we have a very eye-opening conversation for you guys. But like always, guys, please like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify or wherever you guys listen to the podcast. Your ratings will really help boost that podcast up. So hit that like button on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you guys listen, and just drop a five-star rating. It would really mean a lot to me and the podcast if you guys could do that. But without further ado, here is my conversation with Amanda. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Your Spiritual Best Friend. I am your host, Josh Sanchez, and I'm here with a very special guest. She's all the way from Australia. Amanda, what's going on and how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. I got a bit soaked on my beach walk this morning, but I've dried out now, so we're all good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man, I I can see the nice sunshine in the background. How how is it over there? I've always been so curious. Uh, It's been um, quite grey and rainy today, but the sun is peeking through now, so hopefully it'll start clearing up a little bit. But, yeah, the weather's been not great this year, to be honest. Okay, okay. (laughs) Now, 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 how long have you been? How long have you been over there? I was born in Australia, but I was born in Perth. I grew up in Adelaide and then I spent 11 years in the UK and I've just done 11 years back in Melbourne. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. That, that's so cool. Uh, like did anything like go like lead to the change? You just wanted to come back home or? Oh, I wanted to come back home, but my um, then husband didn't want to move. If he was moving away from his family in the UK, he didn't want to be close to mine. So he he made a choice of the Eastern Seaboard. Um, so he said Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, and I wanted Melbourne because it was close enough to my family to be able to go visit. So, yeah. So Melbourne kind of just became the logical choice. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you got to compromise, you know, obviously with relationships, it's all about compromising and finding <laughs> that middle ground. Um, so I'm glad that you and your husband, Amanda, were able to find that and stuff. Um, now ex-husband and there's plenty uh, of reasons for that. <laughs> oh, oh, my, my, my apologies. I'm, yeah, I'm no, so sorry. Right. <laughs> um, but, but Amanda, first, I just want to say thank you for reaching out and wanting to come on a podcast. I've definitely been really looking forward to our conversation. And when it comes to the full conversation, I like to break it up into three parts. So mm-hmm. I, I just think starting off the first part of our podcast, 
Uh, just tell me a little bit about what stuff you like you really love to do for work and also what are some passions that you have? Well, it's interesting, I think, having started uh, my study in kinesiology about, oh, gosh, uh, it was 2015, end of 2015, so what's that, seven, eight years ago now? Um, Can't do maths. (laughs) It's not my strong point. But it became my lifestyle as well as my job. So, you know, making sure that all aspects of my being are looked after, the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual you know, and doing work on all of that every day um, in in little bits and pieces. So it really is that kind of job <laughs> that becomes a lifestyle. Um, so as much as, you know, I've got clients on and I'm doing the podcasting and I've written my book and I've done all of those extra things, it's also the life that I live. You know, I try to... Uh, stay congruent uh, with, you know, my diet, with the downtime, with self-care, with all of those different things that that make my life better. Um, but it really did start with the study in kinesiology. So, yeah. Okay, Amanda, first I want to say you brought up a really great point, like not, especially if you're in an industry that is, that involves helping people, you know, and getting people, you know, to, to learn new things about themselves and to, you know, like grow spiritually, mentally, all that stuff too. Being the person that is in charge of that, you know, you also have to reflect what you're teaching, you know? So I've definitely learned that as, as well in class, you know, like when it comes to finding that self-care, finding those things to take care of your body physically, mentally, emotionally, as healers, you know, as people that have a passion for helping others, we have to also model what we are also um, teaching. So that way, like our clients are reflecting what we are teaching as well. Um, So I wanted to hit that point first, Amanda, because I thought that was a really spot on point that you made. Mm, I think we can't, we, I think we can only go as far as we're prepared to go ourselves. And so for me, that, that personal and spiritual development I can't see an end point for it because for me to help anybody else, I need to be wading through my own stuff. I need to understand my own stories, the reason I am the way that I am, because without that depth of self-knowledge and that self-mastery, there isn't any helping anybody else. I don't, I don't work with any coach or any mentor or any practitioner who isn't doing their own work. And it's one thing that I will make sure of with anybody that I put myself in the hands of to be working in that way because I want to know that they're doing their work because to me, if you're not doing your work, you can't go to the same depths. Yeah, it it really takes, just to add to your point, like that deep self-reflection, you know, giving yourself time to reflect and giving yourself the time to learn new things about yourself. You have to be intrinsically motivated for yourself in order to change whatever it is that you want to change. Um, Amanda, I really thought that was a really spot on answer. Um, Just continuing the conversation a little bit. I know for you, like you've mentioned in your last answer, you've had some moments where you had to realize some things about yourself, you know, and we all go through our journeys, you know, of self-discovery. Are you opening to sharing just like a couple of experiences where you've had to realize some new things about yourself, whether that's in the relationship with kinesiology, like what got you into that or anything else in that nature? Look, I think, I don't think anybody finds um, work in those kind of, you know, coaching, healing arts type industries without hitting a few rock bottoms along the way. And, you know, for a number of years there, I just felt like I was bouncing from rock bottom to rock bottom. Um, Firstly, with my health, I, I had chronic fatigue. I was you know, according to Western doctors, the healthiest sick person they'd seen. But, you know, once I started down the natural therapies route, it made so much sense that my body was had been in an adrenal mal- maladaptive state for so long that there was nothing left in the tank. I didn't have any energy or ability to just keep pushing through. And and that was one of my biggest wake-up calls. And so that was, again, working with a lot of naturopaths. Uh, I worked with chiros, Chinese doctors, acupuncturists, you name it, pretty much. I worked with them to really get that physical health back, to get the mental health going. The spiritual side of things as well was really reignited then. And also looking at those, the relationships that I was in were not nourishing. They were not nurturing to my soul. Um, 
a number of them were abusive. They were emotionally abusive, psychologically abusive, abusive in a multitude of ways. And and being in those spaces didn't, it wasn't self-loving for myself. It was because I was so horrible to myself that to me that abuse was normal. And and having to learn that I was my own biggest abuser was probably one of the hardest lessons that I had to learn because that was the reason I accepted all of the other abuse that was thrown at me. And, you know, there's been a lot of realisations over the last sort of seven to ten years about how I was showing up in my relationships, how I was showing up in life that really has not been for my highest good you know, nobody actually had a chance to know deeply who I was because I was always trying to be who they, who I thought they needed me to be or who I thought they wanted me to be, to tick a box, to play a role, to be the right type of good girl or the best wife or the best mother or the best daughter or the best sister or the best whatever it was. But I was never going inward and working out who I needed to be for me. And as I've excavated that, I am bringing a different person into the world because she's somebody that I'm true to and she's somebody that, you know, I'm still getting to know because I denied her for so long. Um, but, yeah. yeah. Wow, Amanda. First, I just want to say thank you for, for being so honest and, and, to, and so open to share your story, you know, because that can definitely be – that can definitely be hard, you know, especially because to realize all the things that you've realized now and to evolve as an even like a different person, you know, and realizing more things about yourself and getting more connected with yourself. That is some really powerful stuff, you know, because so many people spend lifetimes, you know, still trying to search that question of like, who am I? Like, what what do I want? And it reflects like if the lack of taking care of yourself, you know, it reflects on the relationships too, where you mentioned in your answer, like you're trying to, at times, like you tried to be someone you're not, you know, like to satisfy, you know, like a relationship or that could be with family, loved ones. I definitely have, have had some relationships that way with myself too, where I've been people, for me, it's more people pleasing, you know, just for, for them. But then when it comes to myself, it comes back to that question of like, who am I really, you know? And once you answer that question, like Amanda, I, I feel that growth already in the journey that you're on, you know, like from the book to getting into a career field that you're passionate towards, like this is all answering the question of who is Amanda, you know? So in your last answer, I just thought it was very beautiful and spot on, like just a way to describe the journey of discovering who am I? Um, so mm -hmm. just wanted to highlight that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Of course, of course. Now, Amanda, so I know you mentioned like you, you you definitely are taking time, you know, to learn new things. I know you mentioned that you've written a book. Um, I always mm -hmm. love authors that come on the podcast and stuff. Tell me a little <laughs> bit of that journey for you, you know, of writing the book and what led you to uh, create the book in the first place. I think the book had been swimming around. Oh, gosh, probably it probably started around a year after I started studying kinesiology. So it was probably around the end of 2016, beginning of 2017, that I really started thinking I need to write this. And I think it's because so often I was up as demo in class and people are like, you had what happened? Like <laughs> there were so often these shocked expressions on faces of going, that's not normal. Like what's happened to you is, is not normal. Or people saying that to you is not normal. And I was like, what do you mean? And they'd have to explain to me what normal relationships or behaviours were because I had such a skewed perception of, of that. And I put up with a lot of abuse because to me it was normal. To me that was the way that people spoke to me. It's the way that people treated me. And so having people who educated me otherwise was a huge gift to me and, and also one of the big motivators for me was I didn't want other people to have to go through the levels and layers of trauma I went through to be able to reconnect to themselves. I wanted them to find that sooner. And I figured if I could be a person who could help them not go to the depths I went to and learn from my mistakes, then I would have done some good work in the world. And so the book just 
was, you know, I can't tell you how many walks I went on where I was writing it in my head and, you know, I can't tell you how many drafts I started on my computer that went nowhere. And in the end, I was working with a coach last October and he said, right, it's time. You've got to write your book and I want your first manuscript in your hand by Christmas or by the end of the year. And I'm going, but that's 10 weeks away. That's not going to happen. Like you're, that's just bullshit, you know? (laughs) And he's like, no, it's going to be here. So I think that session was on the Thursday night. I started writing on the Monday and five weeks later I had handed in the manuscript to my editor. Um, So it literally, it was 120 days from typing my first words to actually holding the book physically in my hands because it just needed the container. But I also had to be at a space where I had healed enough that any of the stories that I told didn't have that element of, well, they did this and this happened and, you know, I didn't want any of that snarkiness. It, I wanted to be able to tell the stories with grace and with dignity and without any blame involved because Everything that happened to me, even when I didn't feel like a willing participant in it, in, at some level, in some way, I helped create that as well. And so I needed to get to a place of healing where I could accept my part in all of it and also still not condone a lot of the behaviours that were there. So it was, it's quite an interesting place to get to. But the book isn't just my story. It's the tools and techniques that I found through my journey of healing that really helped me. It was some of the understandings and the science behind how we get ourselves into those places and and what helps us shift out of that. So I do talk about emotional fluency and understanding the emotions we're experiencing in our body. I explain why we have such a propensity for negative thoughts. I talk about balancing our masculine and feminine aspects of self. And obviously that's not gender related. It is archetypally related. I talk about, um, you know, how sometimes we just need to do the baby steps of healing. It's not about getting the quantum leaps and the quantum shifts because a lot of those shifts actually happen from changing one or 2% behaviors and, and cementing those in because if we're moving off our path by a degree every day, it's not too long to we're on a completely different life path. And so I bring a lot of those sorts of concepts in. So it's easily accessible for people who are starting on the path, but I've also had a lot of people read it who have been on the path for a while and they're like, oh, my God, I needed that reminder or that was incredible or you took that in a different direction than I take it. And so and I've made it into bite-sized chapters. So they're all really short chapters. So you can dive in, you can read a little section and then, you know, you don't have to just dive in and it's not one of those self-help books where it's, oh my God, here we go again. (laughs) Well, that's the feedback I've gotten. I'm happy to get other feedback, of course. Like that is, that's awesome though, you know, to create a book, you know, of your journey, your experiences, the things, the things that you've learned throughout your journey and to have some good feedback as well from people just starting and to people that have even been on that journey for a very long time. Definitely some powerful stuff, Amanda. And I will say, keep up the wonderful work that you are doing. And I know you mentioned like towards the end of your last answer, you know, like a lot of people picking up the book, you know, or just starting that journey. And that reads me, that leads me right to my next question. Just what's some advice that you would give to somebody, you know, that is just starting off in their journey to self-discovery? What are some like the first steps that you recommend them to take along? So that way they get more of that understanding of self, you know, and, and, and take those next steps forward because the first couple steps are always the most difficult steps, you know? Absolutely. They are. I think a couple of them, I talk about it in terms of internal scaffolding and external scaffolding. So we want to develop those internal tools that we can use when we're not seeing our professional helpers, but we also need that external scaffolding of professionals who can help us see what we can't see because they're looking at it from an external perspective and from, from different dimensions and from different levels of um, their own understanding of, you know, what work they've done. And so it is really about finding, and I don't think any one modality 
is the modality that you've got to go to. You know, I worked with up to five kinesiologists at a time at one point because they all worked in different ways. So I've worked with kinesiologists, reflexologists, acupuncturists, hypnotherapists, you name it. I've, I've pretty much worked with them. <laughs> and if I haven't yet, then they're probably on my list of people I want to work with. So it is having that, you know, if I have a problem I will basically ask the question in my head, okay, who do I need to see? Who's the best person to see to help me through this problem? A name will drop in, I'll ring them up, I'll book an appointment and, you know, if I can't see them for a week or two, then I trust that that's the divine timing that I need to sort of, I guess, struggle through the issue and get some own, you know, some of my own realisations. But, you know, a lot of people spend more time researching what car they're going to buy or what pair of shoes they're going to buy or whatever it is, spend time researching your professionals. What feels right to you? Who who speaks your language or who speaks in a way that you can understand? Who do you feel an attraction to in terms of this feels safe for me to work with this person? Those sorts of things are really important. So take advantage of the free 15-minute call or ring the phone number on their website and have a chat with people because I think that's really important that we find people that we gel with. And in terms of the internal scaffolding, it's really about slowing down, giving ourselves time to breathe, asking ourselves things like the question I use a lot is what's in my highest good right now? Just what is in my highest good right now? Because so often we're so caught up in what's happening in the future and what happened in the past that we're very, really present. And so just by bringing it into that one question, okay, where am I right now? Bring your awareness to this very present moment. Okay, so what's in my highest good? What is that next thing I need to do to take that next step forward, whatever it may be? And sometimes it will be go make yourself a cup of tea. You know, sometimes it will be something really, really simple. But if we ask our brain to make a to-do list, it will make a to-do list and we'll end up with all sorts of random jobs on there, cleaning the windows and go wash the car and sweep the driveway and wash out the, you know, drawers in your fridge. And your brain is awesome at doing what you tell it to do. But sometimes we need to get rid of all that extra noise. And what's actually in my highest good? What is the best thing I could do right now to take that next step forward? And I think just simplifying is really, really important. Oh, oh, definitely, Amanda. I, I completely agree. You know, just because, I mean, like we're, we're constantly doing so much stuff. I know here, you know, very westernized culture, you know, it's just the concept of just continuing to work, 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 work. Like if you're not working, you're doing something else, you know, and it's like you mentioned, just sitting still, you know, giving yourself the time to just breathe, stay in the present moment. Because uh, when you're doing that, that's when you start to become more aware of like that highest self, you know, like I really like that question that you mentioned, you know, like what is what does my highest self want? You know, like that's definitely something that is a really good question to think about. Like, what do I, you know, like in this moment, what do I really want? You know, and and like you said, sometimes it can be that cup of tea. Sometimes it could be something to eat. Some, like it doesn't have to be this huge thing, you know, because it really it could it really. I've realized definitely through things I've experienced, like it really is the little things, like the little cup of coffee you get, the little, the little walk you get outside on a nice day, you know, just something to just help you focus in on the moment. Because like you said, you know, because of work, family, a lot of stuff, you know, that's going on, we tend to worry a lot about the future and we tend to worry and have regrets of the past and that present moment gets lost. So I definitely think that's a great piece of advice, both externally and internally that, uh, that you mentioned in your last answer. So I appreciate that a lot. I think it also comes down to even, you know, for study or for, you know, work, well, what's the next best thing to do? You know, as they say, you know, you, how do you eat an elephant? It's one bite at a time. Well, if I think about writing my next book, I get overwhelmed and I don't even put pen to paper. Whereas if I just think about writing a small social media post or a, a writer page or whatever it is, if I break it down into that tiny little thing, well, what's in my highest good? If I want to write the next book, or maybe I just write a few paragraphs and see where it takes me. You know, if my son's got an assignment, maybe he just answers the next question. And then, okay, what do I do now? Well, maybe I'll just answer the next one. 
well, maybe I'll just, you know, it's really is breaking it down because so often we're looking at that end result and we've got that in our mind. And that's where overwhelm comes in because I can't think about writing a whole book. And I didn't sit down, even though I was sitting down to write my book last year, I wasn't necessarily sitting down to write my book. I was sitting down just to, I've been told to write and get a manuscript together. So let's just see what comes out. It didn't have that massive expectation at the end of it, even though that was what I was aiming for. It was just, let's just do a couple of thousand words a day and see where it takes us. Yeah. So like I, what I'm hearing from your answer, Amanda, it's like, like when we, when we think bigger picture, it looks like this huge, big project, you know, and like, and we, if you simplified even in school, you know, like imagine like times in school, you know, where you've gotten a big project. And when you think about the big project, it becomes so overwhelming. But when you break up that project into smaller pieces, it's not as overwhelming. Right. And then eventually you're, you're finished the project. So when I heard your answer, I was like, I just picture in my head, like, this like big project. This is like my dream goal, you know, and thinking about it can be very overwhelming, but breaking it up into small parts, like, okay, I'm going to take this classes this semester. I'm going to get done these assignments here. You know, it, it helps you just, it's not as overwhelming or it doesn't feel as overwhelming. So I, when I heard that, I was like, yeah, it's definitely something that, that I'm feeling. (laughs) So, But even if you put it into your podcast, you haven't, I'm guessing that you didn't just go, I'm going to start a podcast and I'm going to schedule the first year up front. And then I'll start, you know, it, it happens an episode at a time. It doesn't happen, you know, a season at a time or a year at a time or whatever. There's, there are those back and forths, you know, we sort of spoke via email and, you know, there were a couple of things that came up and we were sort of chatting beforehand. There's little bits that go into the production of, of everything. And I think so often we get overwhelmed and therefore go into inaction because we're looking at the big picture rather than really simplifying it down. And so I love the idea where we have an idea of our end result and how we're going to feel when that comes into manifest reality. But then all of the stuff between our next step right here and this, that's just noise and bullshit and fear and anxiety and worry and a whole heap of stuff that's not going to actually happen or isn't going to be as bad as we imagine. So if we can keep focused on this end goal, look at our next step, And then glance at our past and go, okay, what's holding me back from that? Are there some belief systems I need to work on? Are there some, you know, is there some work that I need to do on unpacking some of my past traumas or my past conditioning or whatever? But they're sort of the three focal points that I have people look at because so many people get into healing and they spend all their time looking at their past. What is the baggage I'm carrying with me? Why am I still carrying it? All of the things. But they're not then focusing on what are you actually trying to achieve by doing this work. So let's get a really clear picture of that. And even if you don't know what it is you're looking to achieve, how do you want to feel? And then, okay, what's your next step to get there? And then what's holding me back? So really, again, simplifying it and breaking it down. Hey everyone, this episode is brought to you by Podcash as a collaboration between Racket and Stir. Podcash gave away over $100,000 to up and coming podcasters as a way to support insanely creative and inspiring podcasters. We know how difficult it can be to get a podcast off the ground and running, but with Podcash, it's a great way to get cash and best of all, It's all free for your podcast. So if podcasting has been on your to-do list or you're already a podcaster, go to podcast.com to stay up to date with future podcast happenings. That's again, podcast.com, P-O-D-C-A-S-H.com. I hope to see your future podcast. Definitely, definitely. It really is just that simplification of everything. You know, it just helps you get regrounded, recentered, and refocused. Um, very, very powerful stuff, Amanda. And I really appreciate everything that you have shared so far. 
but Amanda, let's take a little bit of a transition. So I know we talked a lot about your journey, you know, a lot of the stuff you realized. And I really loved our conversation about the self-reflection, regrounding ourselves and trying to avoid looking bigger picture, which has been some great, powerful stuff. Um, relationships play a huge part in our lives, you know, and I know you mentioned in the very beginning your journey, you know, you've had to learn some things in your relationship as well and learn new behaviors, you know, behaviors that you weren't accustomed to, you know, and that's definitely something that I can definitely relate to as well. And um, my first question, just starting off the relationship, just topic, like when it comes to qualities you look for in a friendship or even like a romantic partner, what are some qualities that you really look for in in like a friendship and in like a romantic partner? Well, it's really interesting. I've actually flipped my whole relationship paradigm, to be honest, rather than looking at what they can offer me, because I think this is, this again is going outside of ourselves for the answers. What can they offer me? You know, it's like a business transaction. What are you offering me? What are you doing for me? What do I want you to be? And then when they don't live up to what we want them to be, our relationship suffers because you're not being the person I, you know, signed up for. I've flipped it around. Who do I want to be in a relationship? What can I offer them? How do I want to be when the honeymoon period's over? How do I want to show up when we argue? Who do I want to be when when shit hits the fan and neither of us at our, are at our most resourceful? So I've really flipped that paradigm around into looking at, at myself and what I can offer. So going internally first because – you know, and I actually used Tinder as a personal development tool when I was, after I'd broken up from my marriage, I had a couple of years where I just didn't look, I was just doing my own work. And eventually I started putting myself out there again and I'd put my profile up and I'd attract these people and I'd be like, okay, what have I not healed in myself that's attracting that? So I'd take my profile down, I'd go and do some more work, I'd go and see my kinesiologist for a while or whoever I was working with at the time, I'd put my profile back up, attract this next, you know, group of people and I'd be like, okay, what am I doing to attract that? What have I not healed in myself? Right, let's go back, take the profile down. And it was a number of months and it was it was quite interesting using it in that sort of way because I was so deeply into how I could be the best person I could be and the best version of myself. And when, I, you know, for example, when I was working on bringing out my feminine, I was attracting a lot of men who wanted to dominate that feminine, who wanted to almost abuse that feminine. And I'm like, whoa, that, that's not why I'm bringing it out. I'm not bringing it out so that I can be dominated. I'm bringing it out so that I can be the fullest expression of my feminine self and balance that with my own masculine. And it became almost like that power play. And I went, no, nah, not doing that. So again, like I say, <laughs> took myself off, you know, how do I develop my feminine in a way that attracts the right type of attraction? And so it was very much that internally focused aspect of relationships. What do I want to offer? How can I show up? Who do I want to be? And how does that benefit the other person? Because I think so often we're looking at what can you give me and we're not looking at it the other way around. Oh, yeah, I, I definitely agree, you know, especially because in a relationship, you know, especially as you mature and you learn new things about yourself, you know, you find partners, you know, that are like reflecting that, you know, and, and it comes down to, again, like, what is it that you are learning more about yourself in this relationship? Because I definitely think throughout, you know, like relationships and stuff, we're learning more things about ourselves along the way as well. So it comes back to what you're saying, you know, like what, what is the type of person I want to be in a relationship? Like when things go south, how do I want to react to that? When things are going good, how do I want to react to that? So it really comes back to, comes back down to like, what, how do you see yourself? And like, what do you want to see yourself in the relationship? How do you want to act in it? So I definitely think that self-reflection is so important because like you said, you know, so many people, they think exterior, like what do you have to offer to me? But then after the honeymoon phase is done, you know, if you haven't worked on parts of yourself, uh, you're just, you know, projecting or you end up like the relationship ends up not lasting because you're expecting the stuff that's lacking, that's lacking for yourself onto your partner when that's not how it is. You know, it comes back to that self-reflection. So powerful stuff, Amanda. <laughs> 
But yeah, Amanda, so just my next question, just following up. So when it comes to like self-reflection, what's some advice that you would really give to somebody, you know, whether they're just trying to find themselves in the relationship, like let's say like they're having problems in the relationship, what's some advice that you would like give to them to help them rediscover themselves, you know? Oh, look, I think there's so many nuanced answers that that could go on there because it is is very individual for every person because, you know, as much as I was contributing to the toxicity in my marriage, there is also truth that the person I was married to truly believed in their own perfection, which is what we call narcissism. And because they truly believed in their perfection, of course everything was my fault and I owned that fault as mine because I, having lived with that type of personality for so long and you're blamed for everything, you end up taking that on. So it's it, it's not always a clearly defined line of what's their fault, what's my fault. But I think it comes down to being okay with trial and error, with working with different professionals to unpack some of the stories that you're carrying, with looking into what you've been denying or suppressing or repressing or hiding away through fear of rejection or through shame or all of those things that we cover up about ourselves I think as we can start to be brave enough and courageous enough to really look into that, I think we start to expand and open up anyway. And I've worked with people where they've come in basically going, my marriage is over, but they've made a few changes and all of a sudden they've realised, well, actually my marriage isn't over. And that for me is amazing because, you know, I don't think that marriages should just, you know, end like that. It took me years and years and years to get to a point where I was like, this actually isn't healthy for anybody and I need to walk away from this for my health and for the health of everybody involved because this is toxic as hell and it's not serving anyone. But to have clients who've gone away and they've worked on themselves and they've realised what pressure they're putting on the relationship and what stories they're creating in their head and, and they've been able to then go to their partner and and have those open, honest conversations. I think it's just fascinating when we start to unpack that. So I don't think there's any one right and wrong way to approach it and I don't think there's any one right or wrong answer for it. I think it's so multifaceted and nuanced that for every single person they'll have their own way of approaching it. But starting in with who do I want to be, how do I want to be in this How do I want to show up in my life? And is this relationship that I'm in right now nourishing for both of us? What could I do to make it better? Not what can they do because you can't control that. Now, some of what you could discuss is, you know, I need you to or I would like you to or whatever, but really the only person we can change is ourselves. And so understanding what we need and want in a relationship, how we can show up in a relationship, and sometimes we'll make those changes and it still won't bring us any closer to that person. But I think in that we find our answer. And other times we'll make the change and all of a sudden that person will become less of an ass because we've changed and we're not reacting in the same way. So we're like, oh, that person's improved. Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just to add to your, to your last point, like I always I always find it very interesting, you know, especially if you've been in a relationship for someone, with someone for a while and you guys are both putting in work, you know, too, um, to like, you know, work on yourselves, you know, and realize some things about yourselves. It's very interesting to look back and reflect like, dang, like this is how we, this is how I operated years ago in our relationship. Now it's completely, it's like flip-flopped. Um, I know for me, uh, I've, I've had some of those realizations because uh, I'm currently with my 
it's my current girlfriend for four years. And like, we talk about that sometimes about how we used to handle situations. Like when we first started dating to now, like how much we've matured and we've both gone to therapy, you know, to work on ourselves and stuff. And um, that's definitely something that it's just very interesting. As I was hearing you like describe that answer, I was like, yeah, like to realize what I need to work on. And then when you are working on it, you know, like those problems that you used to have, they, subside so it's just it's very fascinating realization so mm. and there's some that i need to work on there's some that you need to work on and there's some that we need to work on and so i think that's also part of it is recognizing because they're not always clear siloed boundaries for each of those bits they're all messed together and if I'm working on this bit, it might actually, you know, fall into some of what you need to work and fall into some of what we need to work on. And so it's also understanding that, you know, that enmeshment um, doesn't always make for a clear, you know, I need to do this bit and you need to do this bit and, you know, we need to do that. So, yeah. Hey everybody, I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast. I just want to give you guys a very special announcement. So starting in the beginning of September, I will be doing astrology chart readings for anybody that is interested in learning a little bit more about themselves and their natal chart. I am not someone that is going to predict the future, but I am someone that is going to give you guidance and really help you process yourself in the present moment, whatever challenges or blocks that you face. But you can click on the link in the show description to schedule a one-on-one meeting with me where you get your chart read, where it's going to be a very safe space for you guys to open up and share your own journeys, your own anxieties, fears, and I hope that we can both learn something from each other along the way. I do have a confidentiality agreement that, I, that everyone must sign and follow, and prices will vary depending on the income in which you guys make. I am someone that is very flexible and knows that we all have certain situations in life that can impact us financially, emotionally, anything pretty much. But it really is just a safe space for everyone to connect, grow, and learn some things about themselves. So again, you can check out that link to schedule a one-on-one call with me, Josh Sanchez, host of Your Spiritual Best Friend, and I hope to see everybody soon and to help you along the way on your own spiritual journey. Good spot, spot on answer there, man. And, and again, I really appreciate everything and all the insight that you have shared through your experiences in your relationships and also, you know, your journey of creating your book and getting into kinestology and all that stuff, too. So I really appreciate your openness overall. Um, but just transitioning to the last part of our conversation, I love to add a little astrology talk to uh, to the conversation. Um, now, Amanda, my first question, just starting off, I always ask everybody this that comes on the podcast What's your overall relationship with astrology? Are you really into it? Are you just learning a little bit of it? I've had some people come on here and say that it's absolutely nonsense. So like, where do you fall under uh, the astrology uh, umbrella? (laughs) Uh, Look, I love it and I find it so fascinating. It's one of those things that I really want to study, um, but I've banned myself from any new courses for a while because I'm, you know, I've done it. I've done enough for now. Um, so next year, I've booked into one small course, which is an, an add on to some of the other stuff I've done, and the rest of it, I'm banned. No more courses. But it is something that keeps coming into my awareness. And um, one of the networking groups I belong to, we actually network with the moon and we talk about, you know, what house it's in for us and we we go into that sort of detail with our networking group. Um, and I listen to Pam Gregory and a couple of other astrologers. So, yeah, I like to know what's going on because so often – you know, with clients or with myself, I'll be going through some stuff and I'll be like, 
man, this is just crazy going on right now. And then you get the update from one of the people you follow and you're like, oh, it's not just me. I get it, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I know just to add, speaking of a lot of stuff, you know, currently there's a lot of stuff happening. You know, oh, yeah. like there's a lot of there's a lot of planets in retrograde, like oh, Saturn, yeah. Uranus, Neptune, Pluto. Like I can name like five or six, you yeah. know, that have either still in retrograde or have been in retrograde for yeah. like during the past couple of months. So a lot of craziness has um, has happened, and that's really cool. That um, especially for people just getting into astrology, I love how you mentioned like following the moon. Um, for anybody just starting, the moon is a great spot, a great first placement to look at because it's constantly changing. It changes every like two and a half days. So that's something where you can just quickly follow. And once you get into that, it helps you, you know, it's like a small step and then it builds and builds and builds. So you mentioned the moon. I was like, okay, okay. So I was like, okay, Amanda, I got you. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so just continuing the astrology conversation a little bit. So when it comes to your chart, you know, um, first, I just want to ask you, what are some things that you are comfortable with sharing when it comes to your chart? Because I know you're an Aries sun, um, Aquarius moon. So tell me a little bit about that. Like, do you have like, how much do you how much do you know about that combination of the Aries sun and then Aquarius moon? From what I know, the sun is that external expression of yourself and the moon is the internal representation of who you are. Now, Aquarius, I've always had a bit of a funny thing with, I had some really close girlfriends who were, who were Aquarians, but also my ex-husband was Aquarian. And so I've had this love-hate relationship with the Aquarian. So I've actually not looked too deep into it, which is interesting. But, you know, the Aries moon, Aries being the baby of the Zodiac, you know, ruled by Mars, who was, you know, I'm all in for battle, but when shit got really hid behind his mum's skirt and, oh, my God, you know, do I really have to do this? And it is it is very much what I am. I'm, you know, I'll go out all guns blazing and then I'll be like, ah, freak out and hide away. Um, I also know that I've got my north node in Libra, which I find very interesting because that's about, you know, obviously, you know, aiming for that place of balance, a work in progress. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, man, I like, uh, of course. Yeah. Amanda, I like how you added uh, the North node aspect because the nodes for people that do not really know, like the North node, it's, you have your North node and South node and pretty much like your North node is things you're meant to learn in this lifetime or things that you're striving towards, you know, whereas your South node is mistakes that you've made in a, in like a past life as like a spirit, you know? So like you mentioned, like trying to strive that balance is something that you really are looking towards and looking for. Uh, when you say you're Chiron and Libra, that's exactly what the Libra energy is. It's the balance scales, you know? So um, to have that there, you know, finding that balance is something that you really strive towards. And throughout our conversation, I definitely feel that. Um, and just to add a little bit further, um, obviously, like you mentioned, house numbers, you know, house numbers, they tell you where you're going to feel the energy in your chart. And I use whole sign, um, uh, I use a whole sign system, so it gives equal degrees for each uh, how uh, for each sign. And uh, your sun sign is actually in the twelfth house. So the twelfth house, the twelfth house involves the spiritual realm, you know. So connecting to that higher spirit, things that go beyond the five senses. And whenever I whenever I look at someone's chart and I see twelfth house placements, especially like like that, I always ask that question because. As I was hearing you describe your journey, you know, like getting into the highest self and connecting more with the spirituality and connecting more with that inner spirit that you have, you know, is definitely something I feel like that passion and that fire towards. You have that Aries energy in the 12th house, which then, you know, like comes into play when it comes to really finding that sense of self, highest self and stuff. But how do you feel about that overall? Uh, Look, I... Again, I find it very interesting that a lot of the time growing up, you know, when you hear about Aries and when other people talk to me about Aries, they always bring up the more negative aspects. It's always the impulsiveness and the headstrong and the, you know, rushing in all guns blazing. It's more of the 
the less positive stuff that people bring up. But actually, as I've tempered that more negative aspect of the explosive anger, of the um, impulsiveness, of that lack of forethought, as I've tempered that aspect and done more and more spiritual work, I have noticed that it it does transcribe more into the passion, the curiosity. You know, you don't you you don't start an adventure without curiosity and without wanting to find new realms. And so I now find that it's much more in that state of of awareness, of asking questions and becoming curious and what could I find here and exploring and the passion of discovering newness. So it's really started to, I guess, mature from that immature Aries into a much more maturity, um, a much more grounded passion, I guess. Oh, of course. And uh, this is something that I know you mentioned the term groundedness and uh one of the things that I just want to, I have a couple more things I want to highlight with your chart and then, uh, and then, and then all that fun stuff too. Um, but I like how you mentioned that with Aries, because I feel like, like you mentioned, like a lot of Aries, or if you have a lot of Aries energy, you know, like uh, society, a lot of people like to view it as negative because I mean, Aries, they, they're very passionate. They're self-starting, you know, like with that comes impulses and stuff, but that curiosity, like you mentioned, like, no, no one is a better self-starter in terms of like you want to start something than an Aries, you know, because they're curious. And once you're curious about something, that passion, that fire comes in. Um, so I, I like how you highlighted that about Aries energy, because it does get a bad rap sometimes, especially depending on the person. But when when Aries learn to control that passion, you know, and direct it towards something, you know, that can help them evolve and grow, there's there's nothing stopping, <laughs> nothing stopping that passion. Um, but I know you mentioned groundedness in your last answer. And one of the things that is very important, obviously, when people say like your big three, you know, like what's your big three, um, your rising sign. So your rising sign is the energy that you want to present to people. You know, it's the energy that we also strive towards as well, similar to the North nodes, but it's in a more different way because we are presenting it to the public eye. So first impressions. And your first house and your rising sign is in Taurus. So Taurus is the more grounded, the more stable type of energy, you know? So like, as we, like we discussed your chart, you know, you have the fire Aries, you know, but learning to ground that passion is something that you've really strived towards and you want to present to people. And I definitely 10 out of 10 from, from <laughs> you know, uh, just to share, I, I'm a tourist by the way. So like hear, yeah. hear, hearing you describe your journey and stuff, I was like, yeah, it is, you're definitely bringing tourist vibes into, into the podcast. So how do you feel about the, the tourist rising? And also your Venus is the same as um, your as your first house, your rising sign. So mm. having the Taurus in the first house and your Venus in the first house, relationships and really finding that groundedness is something that is very important. Um, so yeah. that's it's one of the things that I saw. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also having it as that ascendant and, and it's quite interesting, you know, again, I used to get the more negative thing, oh, you've got the ram and the bull, good luck to you, how stubborn are you? And yet... Actually, yes, there is that aspect of stubbornness, but when you've got the passion to get through, that stubbornness can be a really big strength of, okay, this didn't work, what can I try now? This didn't work, what can I try now? It's continually butting up against problems but then finding your way through and finding your way around. And the other thing about Taurus, you know, one of the reasons that the bull is so lucky in China is that it does take its time. It plows the fields, it sows the seeds, it prepares the soil. It doesn't rush through it. It does it at a steady pace. It creates that grounded home environment, the the ground for, for things to grow fertilely. And I find that, again, as I've matured, that's the energy that's coming through much more is have I prepared the groundwork for this? Am I, you know, am I running ahead like a bull at a gate or is this, you know, the right way to plow the field, so to speak, so that I'm ready for planting this stuff. And and having that that ability for re- reflection, 
I've also found it very interesting in terms of that femininity and and having Venus there is you know, my feminine did used to be very flighty. She was afraid to let herself out. But as I've grounded that aspect more, there's a safety to it. And, and again, you know, I, I always think of that safe home environment when I think of Taurus is, is really creating that place that it's okay for you to be you. It's, it's very grounded and, and solid. And I know obviously, you know, home tends to be a bit more like cancer, um, area but but I love the fact that I've got that that femininity being grounded and earthy rather than the flightiness that it, she used to be yeah that's definitely that's definitely some again just more powerful self uh, reflection you know and especially like I know for some people to say you have the bull and the ram like I I wouldn't go that far you know like there's positives and there's going to be positives and there's going to be challenges for any combination that you have you know so I mean to realize and learn about groundedness is definitely something that I definitely feel has really helped you along your journey uh, through self-discovery and relationships, work, passions, and really rediscovering and refining like who is Amanda, you know? So that's some, again, very powerful uh, self-reflection and I appreciate everything that you've been so open to share. One of the last things I just wanted to highlight, because I know when it comes to astrology charts, like there's so much and and we could definitely talk for a very long time about it. I don't want to overwhelm you and also everybody listening. Um, but I know you mentioned your your north node was in Libra and that was in it's in your sixth house, but also Pluto. Pluto is an is is an is an outer planet and it's all about transformation and rebirth. Um, so to add more energy to that North node, the energy of finding that balance in your life, you have Pluto in the same house at, and the same sign as your North node. So trying to find that balance, you know, has been a very transformative experience for you where you have these two energies, you know, the North node or things you're supposed to learn in this lifetime. And then you have Pluto, which is transformation. And with transformation, it's good because you're evolving and you're you're becoming someone that you weren't that you did not used to be, you know, in the past. But with that, though, it's a lot of work because you're starting over, finding finding that trying to find that balance, you know, learning new things about yourself, but then starting over again, you know, because it's like that just because that's what transformation is, you know, it's the constant rebirth, transform. Um, so when I heard you describe your journey and stuff, that's another thing I really wanted to highlight was. Uh, was that Pluto's influence a little bit with that, with that transformation energy to find that balance. So. Yeah, definitely. And, and it was something that I never had before. I was such a people pleaser. I put everyone ahead of myself. I put, and, and my big, you know, my big thing still now is when I am people pleasing and when I fall into that too much, I, I discount myself and I don't look after myself well enough. And, and part of that transformation is I have to look after myself to be able to serve my clients, to be able to serve myself and, and everybody that I need to serve at the best of my ability. And so finding that balance between falling into the habit of what I had done for the first, however, many years of my life, 37 years or so of my life. And, you know, coming into it from a place of, you know, getting that that mix right, being able to go, okay, hang on, I need to pull back from helping everybody else because I need some of that given to me right now. Yeah, again, Amanda, thank you again just for your honesty, you know, and just being so open to share about your journey and stuff. And and just like just like I wanted to mention though, that's what Pluto does, you know, sometimes. It's it's it might be a small planet, but it just wherever it is in your chart, it's gonna be a journey because it's just that transformation, rebirth, constantly learning new stuff. Um, but Amanda, I just want to say thank you for a wonderful conversation with everything, your openness to share your chart, your journey through work, passions, and even relationships. I'm going to give you the floor to just speak like all of the work that you've done and where can everybody check out your book and check out your podcast and check out all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I think the best place for anyone to start is my website, which is www.amandakate.com.au. So it does have the .au on the end for Australia. Um, My book is on Amazon, Kindle, 
Uh, I think it's also Barnes and Noble, a few other websites, um, Divine Messy Human, and it's a spiritual guide to prioritizing internal truth over external influence. And yeah, most of my socials are linked, I think, from my um, from my website. So best place to just go is my website. And it'll save you having to, you know, quickly write down all of the other links as I spout them off. So go to the website. It's easy enough to remember. (laughs) Uh, Definitely, Amanda. And I'll make sure to put the link for your website and links to your book and stuff all in the show description. So that way you guys can check out all of Amanda's work and all that fun stuff. Um, But Amanda, it's been an honor. Thank you for a wonderful conversation. Keep up the great work and stay safe. Thank you. Really appreciate the work you're bringing into the world too. Thank you. 